Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. I'll make him an offer he can't refuse. It's the Podfather, not the Godfather. Oh, well, that makes more sense. On this episode of RDTN, the guys interview Stephen Bonacore of Stronghold Games. He talks about his fourth quarter game releases and answers listener questions. Make the family proud, boys. It's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 77, Fortress Around Your Heart. This is Marty. And this is the other guy. Today, we are so excited to have the man, the myth, the podfather himself, Stephen Bonacore from Stronghold Games on the show. I know. So excited. I cannot wait to make him pay for that comment. Back a while when Ignacy talked about you know being one of our sponsors, Marty, that was we got so much mileage out of that. Yes. I don't know if you haven't heard the, the anecdotes. Uh, uh, Stephen and Ignacy have a new uh, show called uh, Board Game Insider, which is a very good podcast as a, it's two guys that running game companies that have a 30-minute podcast just talking about what happens inside the game companies and the stuff they go through. Ignacy had mentioned that we, uh, they were a, a sponsor on our show, and Stephen said, oh, man, Marty and the... That other guy, the great guys, great guys. So we've been kind of riding that ever since. I don't mind it so much, Marty, because I understand. You know, I, I mentioned that, you know, you're the face. I'm just the sidekick. No, nah, we're, we're kidding. It's, I know he hates when I do that. Guys, I hate but, it when you do that. But hey, we got to spend, what, 14 hours together the other day? And we're still going to do a podcast. 14? Yes. Oh, no, oh, it was 12. It was, it was, it 12. was 12. It 12. was 12 hours, oh. yes. And why do we get to spend 12 hours together? Because we had an awesome time playing games with two incredible gentlemen at Pete's house. And I'm going to screw up his last name. Mark. Pete Shirey from Cool Many or Not Games. Cool Many or Not. Pete, Pete invited us down to play games with him. And he had a special guest show up. Scott Morris, Mr. Tox himself came up from Atlanta to, to play games. And that, that was an honor. I, I really enjoyed that. Well, he actually came over from Texas to Atlanta, from Atlanta up. He was there for a meeting for Arcane Wonders and spent the weekend there. And Pete uh, said, hey, you guys want to come down? He went, sure. So we went down and hung out with them and had a awesome breakfast at this place called Stacks Omega, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. And so, wait a minute. You just killed me here. So he didn't come just to see us? Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Did you, did you? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm That's so okay. sorry. That's all right. But we got uh, breakfast was incredible. Then we got to play th- three games. We got to play Terra Mystica, and that game still hurts my head every time we play it. Well, one reason why I got to play it's funny. I just happened to have it in my bag. I didn't bring it with the intention of playing, but neither spot uh, spot spot. That's awesome. <laughs> spot. <laughs> neither Pete or Scott had played the game, and Scott had always wanted to learn how to play. And and he said, just never had anybody teach him. So we played it. And again, I just really dig that game. I think both Scott and Pete really enjoyed the game, though. Oh, yeah. And they learned a lot from the rules and everything. And I loved how you kept dropping rules throughout the game as it went along. That's how I teach the game. There was no need to teach some of those rules until it was applicable. I was trying to make it easy. Yeah. Well, you know what I enjoy about that game more than anything is just for such a simple type of the mechanisms and we've gone over is just how well 
every race is different and you've got to relearn your strategy. Yeah, you could hold down to one tr- one race or whatever you want to call them. Faction. And, and faction and go from there. But all in all, it's just amazing how different. I've played three different ones so far and you got to play a different one. Yeah, I did. You know, it, I still to this day, to me, Terra Mystica is the Euro of Euro games. It's like one of those things that encompasses so many different Euro mechanics. It's such a great example of what a Euro game is. I know it's a hit or miss with people. I understand that. Most people probably like it more so than, than, than not. But anyway, but maybe one that was kind of on the, uh, the fence was the next game we got to play was Tesla versus Edison. And this is one that both Tony and I were very excited to try because Tony and I are both electrical engineers. And as such, we got to learn about a lot about the history of what happened during the late 1800s and early 1900s when there was these fight of which current type of current was going to win, AC or DC. And that's the Tesla versus Edison uh, moniker. So he's able to get this game on the table. And at its core, this is really a stock market type game. Yes. Matter of fact, you could just call this game, if it wasn't already called this, Stock Market Push Cubes. But that's well, that's not being fair to it because, Marty, and well, the game, the theme felt pasted to me. But I need to do it again. I need to play it again. I need to try to get more into it than I did that originally. I think my head was still spinning from Terra Mystica. Yeah. And the thing is, well, I'd only played that game once and then it kind of came out and I realized, uh Oh, I need to teach this game again. So I struggled reteaching the rules and some of the rules in the rule book are, are a little bit tough to follow. It's a very crunchy, crunchy accounting thick game. As you're playing this game, you're trying to drive up stocks and sell stocks and purchase stocks in order to do so there's different mechanisms of how much it costs to do things depending on what phase it's in so if you're really into doing a lot of math and algebra as you play a game this is the game for you i'll admit they could have very easily owned the board like they did with when you go into a area where you have to it's called a a, a de- develop a project of level five. They had put a times two on it. They could have put some of that information in the book on the board and that would have helped a lot. I, don't get me wrong here, guys. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm not saying it's, you know, it's just a game according to our scale. I really enjoyed thinking through the strategy of how was I going to drive up the stocks that I had to, and then kick Marty's stock to the curb. And I, <laughs> and I didn't grab it I didn't grab what I needed to do as soon. So I definitely want to play it again, aside from what I felt was a pasted on theme. It is one of those things that I think all of everybody was like halfway through. It was like, oh, okay, now I understand why we're doing this. So it does, we definitely need a second playthrough. But maybe a game that was a little bit easier to understand. Right after that, we got to try out the new Star Wars Risk game. Yes, a mass market game. It had no words. It had cute little plastic figures something I could handle. <laughs> yeah. After coming out of those two games, this was definitely a breath of fresh air. It was like, what do we do? Well, there's icons on the cards and the icons allow you to do different things like maybe bring in more ships or move your ships. And then you roll dice. It's like, okay, I can handle this. They're the good guys. They're the bad guys. They're trying to blow up the Death Star. You're trying to destroy all their ships. Go for it. <laughs> exactly. We played a team version, which was really cool. We played Empire uh, versus the Rebels. And the whole goal of the game is like it's like the end of the, uh, M- not Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, mm. uh, where we're trying to blow up the second Death Star. So we're trying to take down the shield generators so that we can send in the ships to blow up the Death Star. Meanwhile, the Empire is trying to stop you from doing that. It's kind of thematically what's going on. 
Right. And I saw a picture today, Marty, of the black box one with the little um, Death Star model and all that. That that does cute, but I'm not sure it's worth $20 for what comes in this game. You mean 20 extra dollars? 20 extra dollars. Yeah. I'm not sure it's it's worth it because of just now don't get once again kids will love this is this is a great game to play with young kids it is it's not really a rolling move there's a little bit there's a little bit of strategy because you're trying to plan ahead you try to you plan your moves in advance and then when it gets to you you hope you plan correctly on what you could do to, to be the most efficient the only reason why i would think about dropping 50 dollars on the game is if this is a short print run this is going to be one of those games in the future you can sell and make a lot of money you think star wars has got legs i mean it's only been going on since the late 70s yeah that's true and what they, they, they're going to put out is it another movie i, I heard that I, I, yeah, I, haven't I, seen I don't know much about it. Yeah, yeah so yeah, anyway, anything. that's something to look forward to. But I will say this about that game, and we didn't play with the original rules. That's one thing Pete and Scott said. They actually house-ruled a few things because the Rebels have won. They were 6-0. and Right. And so they've, they've house-ruled a few things to try to make it a little bit more challenging for the Rebels because they said previously— there was no challenge, right? Which was which was kind of interesting, and to be in, I would if you haven't played the game, it wouldn't make any sense to try to explain what was uh, going on. I think they ought to somebody ought to go write that up what they did on the BGG forum for Star Wars Risk because it was really interesting. And afterwards, they said it did help make it tougher for the rebels. The rebels still won, but they said it was a lot closer. So you do have to maybe home rule a couple things to try to balance the game. But overall, it's a decent little game. All I know is we killed Luke. That's right. It wasn't even close. You, you, we were trying to fight Vader, and you, you took out Luke, Luke before we even got like a couple of hits in. So, again, big thanks to Pete for having us down. It was so great seeing uh, Scott again. It's always a, a pleasure hanging out with him. And we got to play three great games. And you and I did a lot of planning and and discussing of the show on our ride down there and back. Yes, we did, and we hope it shows. Okay. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Great time to um, discuss a lot of options, and hopefully you guys will benefit from it from well. But you know what? I think I hear something knocking on the wall, Marty. Did you did you lock the door again? Podfather doesn't knock. He just enters the room. Maybe that was just the door closing to the limo or out. I don't know what that was. But I think it's time for us to get over and start talking to Steven about some of his upcoming games. Well, guys, we are joined again by a gentleman who came on last year, didn't learn his lesson, came back <laughs> to us in 2010. He founded one of the strongest publishers out there of board games. He's coming up on his fifth year anniversary. He is known for his use of Microsoft Project, as he's often stated on his podcast. <laughs> he is the owner of over 800 plus games as listed on BGG, but if you strike anything that has to do with drinking, it quickly drops to 600. <laughs> he is the author of a segment in an upcoming book from Inasi Cheveshek on Board Game Stories Part 2, about where he completely flounders over Tom Vassell. Not flounders, but y'all know what I mean. And also, his company has done over 50 plus, if you include demos, promos, and expansion games as well, and produced one of my favorite games of all time, Diamonds. And he is part of the incredible podcast, Board Games Insider. That other guy, not Ignacy. Who is it, Marty? <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> That's oh, Stephen Bonacore! All right, hey. 
Marty and that other guy. Yes, here they are. So uh, I assume everybody on the show knows what that that whole thing was about, right? And uh, that was that was a great moment when uh, when I said that. And I knew it was going to come back and haunt me. But I want to give you the I want to give you the inside on why that happened like that because obviously I know you guys very well. I was it was eight o'clock in the morning. I was recording in Board Games Insider with Ignacy. You know, we have to record at weird times because he's in Poland and I'm in the U.S. And it was Sunday morning at a convention. Now, anybody who knows me and sees me at a convention knows Saturday night at a convention for me is not about me doing demos. <laughs> We're hanging out <laughs> and relaxing and having an adult beverage. So I woke up very early on Sunday morning to uh, to do that podcast with Ignacy, and I was a little under the weather there. Uh, but we had a we we had a we still had a good show, and uh, yeah, the, the all the brain cells weren't kicking in. So uh, Marty and Tony, it is really great to be here with you guys. Oh, we were happy you are back. Oh. And I don't even know if half of the things you said about me in the beginning they were actually true, uh, but uh, they were close enough, I guess. Well, it is true. I mean, in February of uh, 2010, if I looked up your profile page, which hasn't been updated in over two years on BGG, you're not going to go out there and do that. <laughs> that, you know, you found it. And that's, congratulations, fi- almost five years. That's incredible. Your, uh, your counting's off. I believe that would be... Um It'll be six years. Now. Six years. Six years. Coming I'm up sorry. on coming up on six years. Actually, the company technically was founded in um, at the end of two thousand and nine. Oh, okay. Uh, over gambling and drinking in Atlantic City. It was, it, was, it was kind of a funny. That's also a weird story. But we we uh, we did it at the end of uh, of two thousand and nine, and then the first games, of course, you know, came out in uh, mid third quarter of two thousand and ten. So it will be a a official sixth anniversary coming up uh, very soon. And the, uh, the number of games and stuff you're putting out is just absolutely incredible. What an incredible year you had in 2014 with such mega hits, such as Diamonds and Kanban and Panamax. And it's like one of those things is how can he top it? And I think you've done it again this year because you've released so many great games so far. And we're not even done because that's why you're on the show is to talk about all these great games that are coming out over the next few weeks. Thank you. I I really appreciate that that segue because, you know, in 2014, I, I literally said to myself when that year was over, I said, I am not doing this again. I'm not, I cannot work this hard again. And I like doubled the number of games I brought out, you know, this year. And, and I'd like to think, and I mean, I, and I hope obviously we're going to get into some of this. I'd like to think that I'm not bringing out just quantities of games. I really think that the crop of games that I'm producing this year are as good as just anybody's. I'll stack them up against anybody's uh, grouping of games and, and the range of games, you know, we're doing things in every you know in every genre almost uh, of gaming and it's you know it, it it makes me really happy and proud to be able to bring out great games for all types of gamers not just like say like oh I'm a euro game company or I'm going to be a light game company or something like that I I'm really trying to hit all the segments of the market to the best that I can do Exactly. And I mean, with that, I mean, let's just go ahead and hit on some of these different styles of games that you've sure. got coming out uh, uh, soon. In fact, let's just go ahead and hit the one that's probably the one that's most talked about. And you're talking about genre of games. Sure. This is one that has like, oh, around 504 different games built into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Freeman Freeze's 504? Yeah, 504, the, the reason that is named 504 is there literally are 504 unique games in that box. It is a modular, modular game design. You select like module three, which might be a uh, production, and I don't, and I have to say I don't even know them off the top of my head. Module six, which might be uh, military, and module 
8, which might be uh, a racing type of game. And and then you will you will open to those pages and you will play that set of modules. So you have a rule book which is which which explains each one of those modules in like only two pages and then the book of worlds gives you how to specifically play the games each one of those combinations of 504 games you can only you have to pick a different one you can't pick like one 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 so you have to pick one two three or whatever like that so um friedman is a is a um a true professor of game design and he's been working on this for three years he's been working on this design where he could basically create something that the gamers would talk about for years to come because because no one's ever going to play 504 games or if they do god bless them because that is a that is a, a lifestyle commitment it's going to be a commitment for uh, for a year of playing games constantly but people will start finding what their favorites are what the best combinations are and they'll be chatter about it and it really it really is a a true revolution in game design i don't know that it's going to be for everybody but mm-hmm. really if you are someone who wants to look at what game design is all about and to to look at you know what you know when when Dominion set a scene, set the new a new style in gaming. You know with deck building, this is going to set a new style for modular game design. And others might do it better in the future or different in the future, but this is the first, and it is truly unique in what it's trying to do, and truly brilliant. I must say, I'm I was a little intimidated by it when I first saw the um, the components list, which is that two page spread. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned that when I pick those three modules, that the setup time is going to take a while oh, because no. the setup will be different on every game. Is that uh, going to be an issue? No. If you take and if you take a look at at, um, at that two page spread, and, and that was like on the uh, top of the geek images for a while because some um, people like studying and looking at it, um, you'll notice that there's a lot of stuff that that's common, like the tiles, for instance, the um, the hexes. Those are in 100% of the games. So you're always going to grab hexes and bring them into the game. And it's going to get it's it does not take a long time to set it up at all. You're gonna you're going to look at the specific what is required for this game, pull those things out of a box, and put them on the table and start to set it up. I mean, much less time than it takes to set up your average uh, dungeon crawling game or uh, oh, I'm trying to remember that Fantasy Flight game uh, in the in the Cthulhu universe that I think it was no oh Arkham Horror. Ar- one, yeah, Arkham Horror certainly. There's another one that just took forever to set up. Elder I mean, Horror. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these, these things take so long to do. But no, this is not a game. It's still a Euro game where you're pulling out some some base components that you're going to be using in your game. You take you take you get some wood pieces. You can get some resources if you're playing with resources. You're going to take the money out if you're playing with money. You know, so it just tells you what to bring out of that box. Everything else stays in, and. And you, we even have cards in there that we can randomize what you are going to play. Let's say, like, no one can decide what three, wor- you know, what world they want to play. We have nine cards in the game. Shuffle those nine cards. T- turn over three. You don't like that one? Turn over three more. You don't like that one? Turn over three more. So you can pick one of the three worlds that that you just put in front of you. So, they, Freedomin has really thought of everything with this design, and uh, I I venture to say that this is going to be one of the biggest hits at Essen, which is, by the way, next week as we record this. I'm not sure when this is going to drop, but I'll be heading out to Essen in a week from uh, from right now. I'll be uh, halfway over the Atlantic at this point. It'll be dropped next Tuesday, first Tuesday in October, so you'll be on a plane getting out of here, huh? I will be uh, jet-lagged and in Essen at that point. That's right. <laughs> Excellent. So, so I got a question for you about this. So when he came to you with this game design and pitched it, 
What did your mind do? Slightly different than um, than what you the statement you made. Um, right now, Two uh, F Spiele, which is Friedman's company, uh, does their own distribution essentially uh, to the U.S. Uh, so they, uh, for most of their games, they now just bring they just now send them to the U.S. and they and they send them then directly to U, to U.S. distributors. So they don't have another they don't have a co-publisher. They used okay. to use Rio Grande. Um, but um, they decided to go their own route, as some other European companies have done. But they realized that they needed a very strong, you know, English publisher, a U.S. publisher for this game, because it was going to be big and expensive, and they wanted somebody to help market it. So they did for they. I was at the gathering of friends with with Friedemann and Henning, which is his like right hand man, and I said, guys, I want to be part of this. This is brilliant. They said, I know you do your stuff alone. And if you don't, you might have to give Rio Grande the you know right of first refusal. But I really, really want this. And he saw my passion. He saw really that I believed so strongly in this that I would push this game for him. And they came back. They went back to Germany. They thought about it, and they said, "Yeah, okay, Stephen, let's let's do this game together." So um, that's how the that's how it came about. Uh, and and I had played the game twice before. That I made those statements to him, and I, you know, I played the prototype with him, and I said, "Just this is, this is just sheer genius. The fact that you can put all of this stuff into one box and have it there, so that gamers can, can, basically, you know, it's almost a study in how you put game, game components, game mechanisms together to create a game." I said, "I need to be part of this kind of this kind of game, and I know it's going to be pricey. I know this is going to be a killer, but..." Um, Leo, I want to do this with you. So he was excited about my passion for it, and uh, I'm excited to be part of this. I'm very proud of it. Does the game have a theme? No, it, it really doesn't. I mean, other than the fact that um, the theme of the game is that um, um, scientists in the future have been able to create microcosms of worlds. And in fact, 504 of these worlds have been created so far. And if you look at the front of the box, you can see these globes that the scientists are looking into. Each one of those is a world. And they're exploring how the peoples on those worlds now exist. Because on each one of those worlds, they have instilled certain things that are important to them. Like the military is very important to them. Production is very important to them. Uh, racing is very important to them. So they, they have distilled these things, and then they study to see which of the worlds have evolved and developed the best. So that's the light theme, and that's how you get to, you know, sort of a, sort of a sci-fi theme, but not really. But it's sort of this look into the future in of different worlds. Um, each individual game, though, you know, will be using those kind of basic mechanics of, you know, worker placement, resource management, shares in companies, and things like that to be to put all together into um, into the game system that you play for that setting. One last thing about the game is like number one on most people's list of things they're 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 most excited about. Thank you. Are you going to be able to meet the demand? I I will categorically say that if somebody wants this game they better act quickly. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to hype up the the amount of, you know, demand, but you know, between what I'm going to sell in Essen and at BGG Con and in my pre-orders, which are running astronomically high, um, I'm going not going to have enough once it gets into distribution to meet demand. It's it's I mean, look, I mean, I've got to be honest with gamers. When I'm bringing out a $100 game, um, that's a Euro game, not even an American trash game, right? American style game with with uh, lots of miniatures. There's just so many components of this game. This game is 
when I'm bringing out a game at that price point, I can't simply say, oh, let me print 10,000 copies of that game. I, mean, I have to be somewhat conservative. And I made a not insignificant print run. I made a very, very good print run size. In fact, you know, Friedemann was very happy with the fact that my commitment into the game. I made that print run size, and we had to commit to it, and then, you know, then the, 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 the hype machine started going, and the people on the geek were going bananas, and I said to myself, literally, if I could have printed twice as much, I likely should have. So now, now knowing that, uh, and let's say people don't pre-order and they can't get it to Essen or BGG, how long will it be before it does reach distribution in local game sure. stores? Um, I don't have the exact street date yet. The game is still in Germany. It's about to get put onto the containers right now to, to ship across. Once it's there, I can, I can project that. The street date for this is either going to be November 11th, which is right before BGG, or November 25th, right after BGG. So it's going to be right around that, that time frame. I highly recommend if you don't if you know if you don't want to pre-order because you can pre-order at Stronghold Games website and we might, might as well pitch that uh, which we we give 30% off to pre-order customers and we guarantee it's going to ship to you before it goes out uh, to the retailers so that's our guarantee you can order that right now uh, if you don't want to do that though and you want to wait until and buy it at your local retailer that's great but you want to tell them reserve me a copy because everybody's going to get only X number of copies it's called what's being out it's it's called allocated in the industry. When each distributor, distributor might want 800 copies, they can only get X number less, like say 400 copies. So it's probably going to be allocated. I apologize for that. I don't like to do that, and I don't like to have short supply. I don't do it on purpose. These things, you just can't print enough copies sometimes to fulfill demand. This is one of those times where like, it's just blown up to the point where none of us expected it, including 2F Spieler. Friedemann is like, oh my god, he can't believe what's going on with this game. So we're all very happily surprised. A good problem to have, but a problem nonetheless, because I do want to sell games to all my great gaming friends. So please make sure you go out quickly and reserve that copy one way or another. But that begs the question of, you know this is going to happen, so if I do miss out... Are you going to print more? Oh, absolutely. No, no, no. Without a doubt, I can categorically say that if you don't get it on the first chance, is I, I'm not one of those. Uh, in fact, I, I, I keep all of my games in print to the best of my ability. I've Only one of my games is completely out of print right now. Um, so 504, I've already told uh, 2F Spiel, I've told them we, we're, we're going to reprint this game soon, right? So it's <laughs> essentially right after Essen, they're going to get all the partners back, see what all those sales are in that first month, and we're going to hit the print button again. So the, the short answer is yes, we're keeping this game in print. We believe that this is going to, this should be a, a good seller for at least another year. Let's put this in context. This is not number one in your, is it called the Great Designer Series? Did I get that correct? <laughs> That's right. I created something called. I've, I've been wanting to do this for a long time, but I've been waiting to get you know the right designers and the right gains. So um, this that 504 is the great designer series number two. So that asks, begs the question: What is the great designer series number one? Of course. Well, before I signed 504, um, I signed Porta Nigra with uh, the great great publisher out in uh, Germany, Eggert Spieler. 
And Eggerspiel has been known for so many great game designs. They've won the Spiel des Jahres. They won the Kenner Spiel des Jahres uh, over the last couple of years. They've, they just got hit after hit after hit. Uh, so I, uh, again, this is another one of those things. You see the great networking that happens at the Gathering of Friends. I meet with Peter every year at the Gathering of Friends. We talk about what's happening. And when he showed me his games, I said, this game by, by Wolfgang Kramer and, and Michael Kiesling, I want this game in my catalog. And there was another company that really wanted this game too. And I said, Peter, we've been friends a long time. I know I'm going to do very well with this game for you. I want to make it the first game in my great designer series. Um, this is the exact kind of game that I love that have this, has this amazing table presence. You know, Medina I did um, uh, last year, right? You see the city building in front of you. You saw with this blank board. And you see the city building of the walls building, the, the buildings coming up. Um, in, in Porta Nigra, you, it's not quite like that, but you are physically building towers uh, in, in this um, Roman city from the 2nd century. Porta Nigra is the Black Gate. Uh, in a and I don't remember the German city name where it where it currently stands, but it still stands to this day. Um, and uh, you are are controlling a master builder and going around a, a rondel like track to build in various areas of the city. And uh, when you when you buy more of these. Um, these pieces, these these building pieces, you are physically stacking them high. Some of them will stack one high, some of them will stack two high, some of them will stack six high, I believe that might be as high. And you see these huge towers, like, you know, towering over the board. And and we've made them look like, like stone, stone pieces. If you know the game Torres, it uses a similar style piece to Torres, but now they're textured and they look like stones, a different mold than we had in, than, than they had in Torres back in the day. Um, and it just looks beautiful. It is a really lovely streamlined Euro game. Again, this is one of those games that I'm really proud of bringing out. I mean, I, I'm going to say that about all my games, but this is a, it's a gem to look at and, and a marvel to play uh, of by two, a great design team, uh, Kramer and Kiesling. I tell you, this is one of the ones I'm I'm really excited about too because I just love I love the Rondell mechanic. I love the theme. I love the the idea of, of building up the the pieces on the board till somebody hits the table and knocks everything over. Yeah, but you yeah, know, that's right. <laughs> gotta have a sturdy table to play that. But this is definitely one of the ones on on this list that I have a, a big check by that I want to check out, like at BGG Con. But one of the things I was noticed about this game is there's if in a four player grant game, there's only two rounds, dude. It's over. But this is what I love about it is it's got those action cards where you play an action card and it tells you how many of the choices you can do on this action card. The action, for instance, the action card may have two things, uh, three things you can do, but you can only do two of them on this card. And when you go through those action cards, then you get to make the choice. So it, it, I really love it. But Stephen, let me tell you one thing about this. If, if you hold true, and I heard this on your podcast about how you hate, hate doing rule books, right? <laughs> well, me personally, and you know, writing rule books or uh, proofreading rule books are not 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 one of my favorite things to do. No, I agree. This is probably one of the best I've read in a long time. And on our show, we've been we've been gigging, and that's going to lead me into another one coming up. But anyway, <laughs> so so yeah, I'm I'm very excited about this, Marty. It's, it's kind of like this is along my lines as well. Simple game, collecting, um, you know, the bricks, stacking the bricks. I can do Legos. I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, this is definitely one that, that I'm looking forward to. And speaking of uh, table presence, let's talk about another one that's going to have really good table presence. And this is one, this is a, a news release, a press release you released early in this year that Tony and I just literally flipped our lids on. 
You're coming out with Ignacy Chevyshek's second edition of Stronghold. And this is a game I got to play several years ago, and I really, really enjoyed it. I, I love the idea of having the, the defenders, and, and you're trying to attack the, the castle, and you got the orcs versus the guys, and it looks great on the table. It just ran a little long. Some of it was kind of cumbersome, and now he streamlined yep. it. And like a match made in heaven, Stronghold yep. the Game is going to be published here in the U.S. by Stronghold Games. That last sentence really sums up the real reason that I just like I had to have this game in my catalog. I thought the game was brilliant to begin with. I mean, I always liked it. Here's a little quote from Ignazia. Back in early 2010, we mentioned the start of, of the company. Early 2010, some small startup publisher in the United States reached out to Portal Games and said, Hey, we're this new publisher. We're called Stronghold Games, and we think that if we publish your game Stronghold in the U.S., we would do a great job because of the branding opportunities. <laughs> he took that email, and he went, No way. <laughs> because we weren't anybody at the time. So, you know, he didn't he didn't know. He said he now says that that is the single biggest mistake he's ever made in the industry, which actually makes me feel very proud because he and I we we are very, you know, akin to each other. Wow, we're such different personalities. I'm like this like big type A like, you know, you know, Italian from New York kind of personality and and he's this kind of stoic Polish guy. Um, we um, we both have this great sense for games. We both have this great sense for business and we really are great friends and and I try to get all I try to do on that podcast, the Board Games Insider that you mentioned is I try to get him to laugh and, and break down and I, you know, I think we do. I'm so happy to have Stronghold second edition in my lineup. Um, it's been a, a grail game to put into my lineup since I knew about it, since I first reached out reached out to him in 2010 and it's it's so exciting to now have it back he has revamped the system quite a bit uh you're not going to have those long runaway games the rules are so much better that was the hard that was the big thing to get over it's going to be one of those games that if if you kind of like that two-player feel of the you know castle defense i've got to get my hordes of bad guys that are that go on forever, you know, you know, Lord of the Rings kind of thing. The orcs keep coming back, you know, uh, and I'm going against the castle with the humans and the good guys in it. If you like that kind of feel for a game, this is absolutely the game for you. Oh, and the components. We've revamped the components too. You've got you've got actual wooden pieces that look like for the good guys, they look like archers and swordsmen and things like that. So it just looks beautiful again on the table as well. It, it totally does. And in fact, today uh, that we're recording this, the rule book for Stronghold was released and I was looking through it today. And the first thing I flipped to was the components page. The components and the art Thank you, man. blows the first edition away. That's what I'm saying. This is going to look so good on the table and Tony and I are going to have so much fun playing this game. And the price point is really very reasonable for all the stuff you cram in that box. Thank you. Yeah, no, it, again, it's it's one of those things that I, I had to do. I was going to do this game. This is this is a game that just makes sense to be in the Stronghold Games catalog, Stronghold of the game. So many times at conventions I get questions like, hey, I want to buy Stronghold. And, and that's not me, that's those other guys. So I'm, I'm very proud to have this game. It's so my kind of game, too. I mean, while it is a, a bit, you know, a Euro-E and like the way that it play, you know, the way that those the turns work and the way that the gameplay works not an american style game with like big amounts of dice or anything like that it is a it is the kind of game that i like where you're like you know against all odds trying to fend off the bad guys or vice versa be the bad guys and like storm into the castle uh, victory point 
like base now, turn base now, and the, the person who does the best. It doesn't go uh, and 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 bog down to get to different conditions as it had before. I believe it was based on like glory points and things like that. So, yeah, really, really something I'm looking forward to personally as well. So, who do I send edits to on the rule book? <laughs> Chevy Dodd. <laughs> All right, <laughs> my good buddy Chevy Dodd is now working for uh, for Portal Ignacy. Games. Yeah. Yes, I, I know who he's doing, but I mean to the to that point. Now I'm not trying. Go after it, but when you, for, first when you look at Porta, and then you look at this one, and you're like, wait a minute, this one is like the examples. They're side by side. The fonts are the same size, but when you go to Stronghold, the notes are smaller. And Marty, guess what? Did you look at the component list? Yes, there's rules in the component list. Did you notice a little asterisk at the bottom about the note? I did not. I didn't even notice it. I don't know what you're talking about. I gotta go. I'm, I'm bringing it up now myself. Yeah, in the component list, you have a rule. And I'm and we went off on that on one of our podcasts, and it would it would not do our audience justice if I did not bring this out. So anyway, so go ahead, make funny make funny your guests while he's on the show. It's very 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 professional. Thank you no, so much. We're that not other a professional guy. podcast. We're not a professional <laughs> podcast. No, That's I'm awesome. just, but I'm saying it's it's funny, and, and you you <laughs> talked about this on your podcast about how the different rules and all that. But I mean, yes, it's gorgeous. The game is going to be incredible. I'm looking forward for Marty killing me. And castling, but I do want to have a, a question about the upgrade pack that you're that's to be determined on your website. What does that do for someone who already holds Stronghold? I'm assuming that's what that is. I mean, exactly. Um, we're we haven't um, put that out yet, but we're planning on putting out a Stronghold first edition upgrade pack, which will then bring your first edition up to what is in the second edition. Obviously, the artwork you're going to use the same board. But the um, uh, the cards is a new set of cards, and I believe we're going to be putting in the wooden bits too, so you have the pretty wooden bits and things like that. So we didn't have to do that by any stretch of imagination. We did not have to do that, um, but I was happy when they mentioned that they were thinking about doing that. Happy to say, hey guys, yeah. I'm happy to carry that on my website as well. Let me print a, a few hundred of those. And then anybody who owns the first edition who wants to upgrade and, and, and be part of the whole second edition experience, they can do that as well. No, no, I think that's a great service that you're doing for it because I know a lot of people are, for some odd reason, trying to offload their stronghold to get the second edition. And I'm like, that's interesting, you know, maybe, may, but you're, you're providing another means, another market. So that's awesome. That's, that's a great thing to do. Thank you. Uh, um, now we're going to go into my universe, the Among the Stars universe. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. I love the game. <clears throat> Absolutely love Among the Stars. I hate that I can't get it on the table, but you're going to bring over Revival and the Miniatures Pack, and I already own New Dawn, which I wish I could get Marty to play, but we were too busy playing stuff. But New Dawn is is an underappreciated game in my opinion. But Rival, you can now I can play two player on Revival on Among the Star Revival. Sorry, Among the Stars. That's that's incredible. Among the Stars Revival is a is a standalone expansion for the game. So you can just take what's in there and bring it right into your, you know, two to four or more player Among the Stars game. Because Among the Stars with some of the expansions brings you up to five to six players. And even if we have enough of the if you have enough of those expansions, you can even play with eight. You're gonna need a table the size of like your basement, but you can do it. But um, the Among the Stars Revival, what what the brilliance of that game is that it, out of the box, you can play it as a two-player game, and it adds a number of new modules to make the Among the Stars experience as two players really good. As two players before, it wasn't as engaging, but now it'll be a very engaging game 
uh, right out of that box. And those modules that are introduced in Revival can be then taken and played in the other game, in the ba- in the in the four-player game, in the three, four, five, six-player game. So you're not limited to like just playing. Oh, I can only play those modules in a two-player revival game. No, you can you can take those modules out and those new components that we've added there. And, I, and I'm sorry, I'm escaping with the names of those modules all right now. You probably don't. You probably looked at it more recently. You can take those out and you can bring those directly into a bigger game of Among the Stars as well. So it's not just for two players. It's now take those things out. Let's play this. Let's play these extra bits in my bigger Among the Stars games as well. And New Dawn is just an interesting. I know they kickstarted it a while back and you're bringing it over. And that when you lay that game out, I know it doesn't have the, the same impact as, say, the Stronghold game will have or or Porta with the, the building of the wall. But you have all these bases and, and the way that works. It's Marty, it's kind of it's it's a it's a lighter I wanted to say Terra Mystica because of how you're building things, but you're using the resources. It, it, I think it's something that that's very that the people need to take a look at. I really want to play it, and it's just it's not like I don't want it on the table. I do want to play it, so we did need to get together sometime and play it. I loved it when you brought Among the Stars over. I enjoyed that game, um, so I, I can't wait to try this one. You really should give New Dawn a try. It's it is a phenomenal game. It's basically a four X game with some really different takes on that kind of thing. Um, you're you're playing in the among. It's called it's called New Dawn and Among the Stars universe game because you're using thematically that same universe, but it's not a card drafting game by any stretch of the imagination. And it's not this like I'm just kind of building my own thing, and it's not as much interaction, you know, with you guys. This is an in-your-face 4X game where I'm taking control of sector of a, a sector of the galaxy, and I'm trying to muscle you out of that sector. The whole like cooperative nature of of among the star. I mean the thematic cooperative nature of Among the Stars, where, where like we're all trying to. Um, if you if you know the the, the backstory, there's, there was an alien menace that has that came in, destroyed things, and left. And now we're building these great space stations to, like, you know, fortify ourselves against if they come back. Now we're fighting amongst ourselves in this one sector of the galaxy, and we're deploying bases and military headquarters, and we're pushing our own influences in this sector of the galaxy. So it has lots of plastic miniatures in it, um, but the, those are the bases in the uh, mobile headquarters that I just mentioned. It has those really cool uh, uh, square cards that you use to create the board. Um, the miniatures pack that you mentioned, the Among the Stars miniatures pack, which can be used both in the Revival game and with those components, as well as New Dawn, come, you know, it, it, it comes with these ambassadors, and the ambassadors can have an effect and upgrade your components that you have in a game of New Dawn, making it just look so much better. You don't need them, but it makes the game look so much better when you have these busts of the ambassadors that are you know, pushing their influence along the sector. Again, another game that... With a huge board, the board is so big. If you don't have a, if you don't have a large table, I wouldn't recommend this because it's going to take up a, a pretty significant table. I, I don't remember the exact size, but it's it's a very large board of well over three three feet by two feet, very very big. So if you if you know if if you kind of like that kind of confrontational in your face kind of game, and with that gorgeous art that we've set the scene with with um, Among the Stars. 
it's definitely a game to look at. Now, earlier in this year, like many months ago, you made an announcement about another game that I've been excited about, and I'm glad to see it's finally coming out soon, and that's The Golden Ages, which is a Civ Euro-style game. Now, typically, Civ games are are maybe maybe a little bit uh, meritrashy with that's you doing right. a lot of military and fighting and stuff, but that's what really grabbed me on this one. It's like, wait, a Civ game with Euro mechanics? Tell us about that one. That's a really really lovely game. It came out last year at Essen in a very limited release by Quinned Games. Uh, we went out to the uh, to the person who owned the license and we said we'd love to get worldwide English rights and they were happy to be working with us. Um, here you, um, you have a very streamlined um, Euro style game where you are exploring the continents. You're, you, have a, you have tiles on the board and you're exploring the continents uh, and they're merging in front of you and you're not running through people and destroying everything like in a civ building game with dice and you're just you know you're constantly conquering things military does come into play here but you have to create wonders you have to come um, uh, create a technology tree and you're going to victory points it's a victory point based civilization building game so for the euro gamer who loves you know for, for the euro gamer who wants to dip themselves into civ building this is the kind of game that they will like uh, and, and not only we're bringing out the base game of, of the golden ages we're also coming out almost immediately thereafter a couple of months later by december january at the latest with the golden ages cults and cultures so now you'll have more cultural influence of your civilizations and what we're calling cults but the religious influences you can push your religion out to people and that will make your civilization greater as well uh, so a re- and and it also brings it up to five players, which is always a kind of a nice sweet spot in most games to have a, a game, a nice Euro game that can go to five players. So, yeah, really nice. Yeah, I actually watched uh, Rado's playthrough of this game because I wanted to see mechanically how it worked. And I love how <laughs> the tiles, if you lay them out like they're supposed to, is like a map of the world. It is kind of funny, You don't yeah. lay them back out like that. And then you build up the uh, continents and everything. But I love how the military is done because uh, a lot of people are really like, oh, military fighting. How can you do that Euro? But it's really just moving into a location that somebody already has a city there. And you pay, you pay an amount of resource. Yep. But every time you attack, it costs more. And the most you can attack per game is only four. That's right. So military is not brutal like it is in a lot of other Civ games, which I really that's like. A good, that's a really good point. You get four attacks per game. So so, so it's not going to be like it's going to be an overarching, like, destroy everything. As, as, uh, you know, as we learn in life, you know, uh, war is very costly. So it's not going to be something that you can base a win strategy on. It's going to be one of the possible things you can do in the game to go to war at the right time to take over a little bit of someone's land and then move on and build your wonders and build your civilization and bring out your religious beliefs to the world really interesting euro take on civilization building we're gonna have the designer of the game at the stronghold games booth all day on thursday in essence it's gonna be kind of fun i've never met him very nice italian gentleman uh, we've been uh, chatting uh, i've been i've been whipping out my horrible high school italian on him and trying to <laughs> try to talk to him in uh, in emails and stuff like that but it's, it's been kind of fun and we should have a good time in essence with him now, I will say, when the game first came out, there was a lot of people, there was a lot of buzz on BGG talking about the art. The artist from Alexander Roche, who did games like Troye and uh, uh, Japur, and it's kind of a different style, and I think it's one of those things as people talked, it's almost like, well, art's in the beauty of the eye of the beholder, right? Some people are like, this really looks really good, and some people are like, unsure of it. A- have you heard a lot about the art of the game and how it's being accepted? Yeah, it's one of those things, you either love it or you hate it. And, and listen, I mean, you know, if we want everyone's art to look the same, then I guess we'd be kind of a boring 
culture, you know, boring, artistic group. I don't know if I love it or hate it, but you know what? I didn't go to art school myself. I think it's a very interesting, stylized, almost um, romanticized kind of version, mm-hmm. like, you know, Renaissance type of take on on art. Uh, he's got a nice, interesting following for people who do love his art, and other people look at it, it's like, God, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, you know what? It, in, to me, at the end of the of the day, if I'm bringing you a great game, you're gonna and you love the art, great. If I'm bringing you a great game and you hate the art, you're gonna love the game anyway. So, I mean, it's really, it's really, it's one of those things you call it polarizing. I used to drive an Aztec, a Pontiac Aztec. That's a polarizing looking car. So, so. well, it's one of those things where you would rather have a game that plays great with so-so art as opposed to fantastic art and the gameplay really stinks because that will never get to the table, but the other one will. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to make a judgment on, on, on too much on, on his artwork. I think that the gameplay, if you play this game, it will speak for itself, and that's what's making me happy about it. And so let's move out of the golden age and move back <laughs> into the space age where I belong, and, and let's finish this out. Tell me why... I should look at survive space attack if I already have survive. That's uh, that's a great question. You should look at survive space attack if you already have survive escape from Atlantis because it has been reimagined by the great design team of uh, the Engelstein family, Jeff Engelstein and Brian and Sydney, his his children. Uh, I basically commissioned them. I said, you know, survive is such a brilliant game it's stood the test of time it's still my biggest selling game by far by far it's my evergreen title jeff would you like to take a look and see what you can add to this to make it even a little more gamerly and let's bring it into space because i'm known for you know science fiction games anyway everybody loves space-based games sci-fi games so check why don't you check that out so he took that base mechanic of trying to get your people, in this case spacemen, off of the island, in this case space station, and onto any one of the four outer islands. No, in this case they are jump points uh, for wormholes. Uh, but now you also have you have a two-sided board, so you can now change the setup of the game, and there's many variants in the game to do so. The tiles themselves have four thicknesses on them instead of three thicknesses, just an aesthetic thing. But the, t- but the things that happen when you turn over tiles, there's now... There's now four different colored tiles uh, underneath, and you can combine them for different powers and things like that. So there is a lot more game that goes on and a lot more combos that you can make with those with those tiles. Lots more will be played and kept in your hand and played from your hand. There are fighter ships in the game. You can jump in a one-man fighter ship and zip around the board. You can move any number of spaces in a row as long as you don't move through the uh, th- through the aliens or through the um, the space station. And you can capture the aliens. You capture them. You put them in front of you. And guess what you do with them? Beginning of turn, you start redeploying them against your enemies, against your your opponents in the game. So you're going to have that part to do. There are laser turrets on the station. You can fire at, you can man a laser turret and go fire at the aliens and capture them and bring them and, and then redeploy them as well. So it's even a more in-your-face game. A more a game more about, you know, sitting around, stabbing your buddies in the back over a beer and cursing at each other. But again, still, you can still easily play this with your family, your parents. It plays down to, you know, we say eight 
uh, 8 plus on the box. Uh, any gamer kid down to 6 years old can still get this game the same way that they got the original um, Survive Escape from Atlantis. So really excited about this. In fact, I think this is going to be one of the biggest selling games in the hobby overall. You know, the gamers are looking at the 504s and they're looking at Stronghold 2nd Edition. But when this game is sitting in game stores across the country and it's Christmas time, this game is going to be selling a lot a lot of copies, you know, um, between now and the end of the year, which it street dates in only a few weeks, and through the end of the year, the holidays. So families are going to enjoy this game because it's going to be more in their face of each other. <laughs> You're going to cause families to fight as well. Well, if saying. you weren't fighting already with Survive Escape from Atlantis, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to be more in your face for gamers, in, in fact, but for families, it certainly will be as well. But, uh, uh, and I think what I picked up is there's a, there's more strategy. There, there is. The fighter. And that's, that's, that's key to that. I, there's I more think. things that you can do, more ways of of either you know throwing monkey wrenches at your opponents or getting your guys over to safety with with even more components in the game beautiful i mean and the wooden pieces in this game look just so cool the the aliens the we you know they have the similar powers to the uh, the whale the shark and the sea serpent now they're the it's a spawn it's a warrior and it's a queen and now they can evolve into different pieces and they look really cool because they're they're cut to look in the shapes of I shouldn't probably say this, but uh, Space Invaders from the no. 80s. You'll all remember the Space Invaders game in the 80s. Those little guys used to come attacking you. They're cut into those shapes, so they look really, really cute as well. So a little nod to uh, gamers of old from the 80s like me, you know, or back in, uh, in college playing Space Invaders, you know, constantly all day instead of being in class. Well, I'm sure the royalty rights have run out on that. But that, <laughs> that may be me. I don't know. But, I hope so. Or I'm in yeah. trouble. Well, everything we mentioned in for this you can get on pre-order except Golden Ages and Survive Space Attack at the time this hits, right? Everybody, you can go back up and get all the other four, but these last two you can't, correct? Those right. Those will be. Those are coming off of pre-order tonight. In fact, um, you know, we because we're going to be starting starting to ship them. Uh, they will street date on October 14th, so somewhere around the time this hits, a little bit after, you'll be able to get both of those games at your friendly local, friendly online game store. So I hope people will be looking for both Survive Space Attack and the Golden Ages there. Everything else we mentioned. Uh, is now on pre-order, as I mentioned before, at the Stronghold Games website. They can go there and get that 30% off, as well as um, get the game before it gets out to anybody else. What's amazing is just a few years ago, uh, the number of games we just talked about would have been your whole one year's release, and this is just one quarter. It would have been three years release <laughs> it's the beginning of the company it's you know for some for, and, and for some companies who do phenomenally well um, it is you know they, they release one and two games in the year and they do phenomenally well you know we're we're trying to hit in many genres and trying to bring out many different types of games for gamers so um, I'm I'm happy to be doing a lot of stuff and though I do promise again to myself that I will not be doing this many releases next year because I'm getting more and more gray hair as the time goes on, and I just can't, I can't take it anymore. It's been, it has been a really tough year, but I mean, a very rewarding year, not financially only. I mean, certainly we're going to do very well this year, but it's been a very, very rewarding year because the, the, um, the, everybody who's been playing the game, playing the prototypes, getting the, getting the pre-releases of the games, seeing them at, at, um, at Gen conferences, because we had quite, some of these games, quite a few of these games at Gen Con, have all been so happy, so excited, and so you know, 
thrilled by the gameplay and and that's what it's all about to me in, in the end you know I'm a gamer I'm one of you guys I'm one of you two youths out there and I, I want to have great games to play with you know my friends as well hey there's one game we haven't talked about that I, I would be totally remiss about not mentioning may I may I sure that's Space Cadets Away Missions ah that's my huge 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 plastics game which is literally street dating uh, two days from this uh, the time that we're talking about this, uh, September 30th. This is my only game I ever kickstarted, and the last one, I assure you, because it's been <laughs> it's been fun. It's been really hard to do uh, to do that and do all these releases. Um, but Space Cadets Away Missions is the third standalone game in the Space Cadet franchise of games that I've done. Jeff Engelstein and family did Space Cadets the original and Space Cadets Dice Duel. First one was completely cooperative. The next one was team versus team. And now Space Cadets Away Missions, which um, Jeff blessed, but it was been designed by someone else, another design team, Dan Raspler and Al Rose. It's now set in the golden ages of science fiction. So it's a thematic prequel to the original Space Cadets games. And now you are fending off in a cooperative manner, fending off hordes and hordes of aliens that are coming at you. Um, and you're, you're playing rocketeers just exploring the solar system where you have found that we're infested with these little green men. So you have, you have, you have leaders and saucer men, the, the, the things that you'd find in a 50s campy sci-fi movie, but they're brought out with beautiful plastics on the table. You have a brain in a jar, and I mean you have a brain... In a jar that you can that you will bring out. It's a two-piece miniature that actually is that way. Um, so it, it, it they look so beautiful on the table, and the gameplay is absolutely amazing. There's a special mechanic in this game called called the overkill system that ends up giving you these really beautiful thematic um, stories that you'll be telling. Because the more successes you roll, not you don't do more damage, but you can take extra overkill options of your character of your weapon of the uh, of the aliens you attacked to do really heroic things um and the last thing about this is that on at a store near you about 70 stores across the country on october 17th we're doing this huge store splash where we're sponsoring the this game being played at that store for up to five or more hours and uh, the knights of the stronghold my demo team will be out there demoing this game so if you have any interest in like basically what's what is a dungeon crawl in space you will love the look of this game. You will love the feel of how the system works. So go out and just find out if your store is going to be doing the store splash for Space Cadets Away missions on October 17th. And I know here in the Charlotte area, your local game store will have it because one of our buddies, along with myself, are part of the Envoy, Vinny's Envoy. Thank you, and man. No problem. I know how I know how to plug. I know oh, how to plug. you rock. No, I didn't know that uh, the guy that I don't know his name. That's really great. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's the other other guy. The other, other guy. <laughs> no, no they, that's they, really... Thank they, you, Tony. I really, no problem. I really appreciate that. Now, before we let you go, we would last few minutes... We have had a lot of questions uh, submitted in our guild that we wanted to ask you. And so we're just going to kind of run lightning through round. these. And you boom, can, boom, Here boom. we go. Lightning round. Some of these are hard hitting, oh, though. Oh, hard hitting. Bonacore, you're a go. jerk. Why? What is it? No, no, no. Not that way. <laughs> like, f like, for example, let's just start off with one. Is there a game you regret not signing up for Stronghold when you had the chance? Oh, um, Camel Up. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Camel up. I had the rights on that's an Eggerspieler game. Won the Spiel des Jahres. Um, the and I and I and I would have. I 100% would have signed the game. I think it's a brilliant family light game. Great with your buddies too. It's a betting game. I would have, but it was last year, and I was already my catalog was full. And I was doing too many games. If it was this year, I would have done it because I did that many more games anyway. <laughs> but that's the one game that comes to mind that I that I did not sign. I would have loved to have had. So why do publishers put so much stock in at Gen Con when there is so much competition for eyes and people? Why not instead pick a less contested convention or time of year for releasing games or announcing news in order to dominate that time? It is the single time. There are two essentially two essential times during the year where all of the focus of the board gaming industry, and that means the fans, are all completely focused on, and that's Gen Con and Essen. And you need to release games and have previews of games at those two shows to really get the buzz going. That doesn't mean that I don't. I go to the WBC when you know, this year was a problem, unfortunately. But I, I go to the WBC, which is right around the same time as Gen Con, and I bring those games, those new games out there. Then I premiere games at Origins. There's a a fairly large convention, maybe the second biggest in the country, that I sponsor, and I try push my new games there. I flew in games there, so I try to do things at other conventions. But and BGG Con, I'm, we have a big presence. We sponsor that. I'm bringing all my S releases. But really, you know, those other those two big conventions. Just, it, you really have to do it for the marketing benefit of all the media, the, the, the gaming industry media being there. What is coming up in 2016 that you can share with us and talk about with us now? Are you, are you ready? Can you, yeah, can you hear? Yeah. Yeah, nobody okay. else can hear right. this. Nobody it's else. just between us. No comment. <laughs> I can, man. I can't tell you anymore. Okay. I, I, I think I did mention this briefly on another podcast. So this is not the first time I said it. I'm going to have a... A card game by a major card game designer that I'll put into my most likely put into my um, my pocket line, which is uh, you know diamonds was the only one that I did last year that you guys mm -hmm. love so much, but I haven't followed it up because I was looking for another great card game. I have it. Uh, it's by a major card game designer that'll go in for 2016. How about that? Awesome. <clears throat> go ahead and pre-order that for me, please. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll just go. hang around. I'll give you the credit card number there. <laughs> All right, uh, the next one. Y'all, you know, the publishers are great guys. Everybody's friendly, put on great airs. But is there a thin line between the competitiveness and the friendliness between yourself and other publishers? That's a great question. Um, but, you know, and no one's probably going to believe. Well, I mean, there's a thin line. is isn't what that means, a thin line. But really, in this industry, we are all friendly competitors. Now, I have gone after games that other people have gone after. And it's been like, ah, damn, I didn't get it. And the other guys got it. Um, but here's a good example of, I think, a friendly, of really, truly friendly competitiveness. Zev Slossinger and I, right? Zev from Seaman Games. Um, he, you know, when, whenever I hear that, you know, he's got a game and he's talking to somebody, it's immediately like, can't talk to you. Zev's talking to you. And same thing. He does exactly the same. Oh, Bonacore's talking to you? No, that's cool. It's not like occasionally, you know, I'll, I'll say like, oh, you're talking to them? Well, let me talk to you about it too. Let me show you why I think I could do a better job of it. So there's that little bit of competitiveness, but but we really, really, really are that good. We, you'll go see us at, at the conventions. We're all having dinner together. We're having drinks together. We're, we're not stabbing each other in the back. And for the most part, there's very little of that, like, I'm going to outbid you on something. There's not enough margin in here to, to do that kind of stuff. You, you make your pitch to a designer or to another publisher if you're co-publishing. You say, I think I'd be best for this game because of X. Take it or leave it. 
Is there public domain IP that you personally would like to see utilized in more board games? Like maybe Alice in Wonderland, Jack London Works, stuff that's out there anybody can use. Sherlock Holmes. I mean, there's been some already. Uh, it's a great IP, and it's and it's got a lot of you know buzz still out there with the movies and things like that. So that couldn't be bad. Um, that's the only one that comes to mind. I'd have to go think a little bit more on it. In your mind, in 250 words or less, what is a stronghold game? <laughs> a stronghold game is a best of breed game. I don't look for a game in a given genre. I don't look for a game that you know that is a given mechanic. I look for games that I can say, this excels, and this is actually what I tell the designers, it will have to excel on, on one of three one of three ways. Mechanically, thematically, fantastically. I made that word up. Uh, you pitch me a game that excels in one and might be unique, truly unique in one of those ways, that's a game I'm going to bring out. Do you agree with Vassal's Law that if a game is actually great, it will eventually be republished? I believe in nothing that Tom Vassal says. Nothing. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> it's, uh, no, it's, it's, it's actually a really good... No, that, that, yeah, I, I, I begrudgingly have to agree with Tom. That, no, it's, it's true. Um, great games will be republished if there is demand in the market because certain, certain great games were overprinted and therefore really don't need to be reprinted because there's just so many copies out there. But if there's a game that all of a sudden is going for ridiculous prices but it really is a great game, sooner or later, yeah, somebody's going to pick it up and it could be Stronghold because I, I was going after those kind of games for the longest time. But there are so many great new designs out there that it's becoming harder and harder to find those gems and so many companies went to the well of going for reprints stronghold did it and valley games did it and uh and, and fantasy flight did it quite a bit so it's harder to find those great older games to bring back now so can you neither confirm nor deny an expansion for panamax or kanban <laughs> i can neither confirm nor deny but i will i'll go further than that for you guys i do not have anything truly in the works and i apologize to both of you for that i don't now if now with the designers i think the designers both had some ideas but they just were busy on some other things this year if they next year say hey i i want to try to do this i would be head over heels trying to do it. both of those games sold very well both of those games are brilliant in their own right uh, in the uh, category of Euro games. Yep, uh, the fantastic games. Now, I believe at one time you mentioned that you had picked up the rights to Magic Realm. <laughs> I have never, ever said that. No, I never said that. However, what I have said <laughs> publicly <laughs> is that if anybody was going to bring that game back out, it would be Stronghold Games. And the reason, and the reason is, in the short, you know, short answer is that I am one of the few people in the industry that have a line into Richard Hamblin. He doesn't He's an older gentleman. He doesn't really like the industry. He believes that he's been screwed, and and with some some backing to that by certain things in the industry. Uh, so it's so he likes me a lot. Um, but but there are some rights issues around it that you know I can't talk about. That if if those were resolved, I would bring that game back and I would do it in a special special way. So guys out there who really want that, and I, I, that came up, this came up at Gen Con, amazingly enough, in some way. Guys who really want to see that game back, I would do it if I could do it. I can't do it right now. Is it true, sir, that you made an offer to the Game Boy geek, Dan King, that if he were to leave the network, you would be okay with that so that you could get on? Is that true, sir? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I made Dan an offer he couldn't refuse. I said, "You're gonna leave the, you're gonna leave this network so that I can get on the network." You understand me? Good. No, obviously, I didn't even know that he left the network. That was kind of funny. Um, we're going through the list of, of podcasts that were on the network and stuff, and just mentioned something to Tom in passing. He goes, "Oh, Dan's not on the network." I'm like, "Huh? What?" No, so I actually didn't know that until uh, until I, after Tom asked me to be on the network. But um, love Dan King, love what he does. Um, so uh, I wish him the best at uh, continuing to do great things. How often do you get to have a game night to just play games with your friends and family, non-work related type games? I game I game once a week officially. Um, different kinds of games both times. One is uh, we call it Boys Game Night, uh, and that's every other Tuesday. And we have another night where it's sort of couples, kind of. It's just a mixed group that gets together. And it's mostly party games. Some light, light kind of strategy. But normally there's a lot of people there, so we have to pick bigger games, party games, essentially, that we can bring everybody together. Because that's part of the experience of hanging out in this group. It's just like, you know, shooting the stuff, shooting the crap with everybody and hanging out and just having a good time and drinking some beer. So uh, I would say non-working stuff, it's twice a week. Uh, once, once a week, different, different things every other week. And it's unfortunate because that's not a lot. Because I work so much, I work a lot of nights just continuing doing strong old game stuff. So I wish I would, I wish I could game even more. But time being what it is, you know, a lot of those other nights are like I got to do work and I got to do, I got to look at prototypes and I do stuff like that. And as you may know, we do a very special podcast with Dan Patrice and uh, Mr. Kirkman. Oh yeah, and, and it's all on movies. So. Just for our listening audience, what is your favorite movie? Well, my favorite my favorite movie is the 14-hour spectacle that is Lord of the Rings. Because as we know, it really is one movie that just happened to slice sliced up into three pieces. Because it's one book that happens to be sliced up into three pieces. So by far, my favorite, my favorite literary work, my favorite movie, my favorite world is The Lord of the Rings. And my favorite board game in the world is War of the Rings. I've said that on many podcasts. I love War of the Ring. If you've never played that game and and you're a Tolkien fan, you should be ashamed of yourself. It is I am it is the most thematic game you'll ever play and the game is so balanced and you just can't believe that every game comes down to the last turn where either Frodo su- su- succumbs to the corruption or he dunks the ring for the win or the last sh- stronghold on Middle-earth gets taken over by the shadow. It it, it ends like like it could happen any of those things within the last turn it's amazing and for the very last question and tony this one got in just under Uh-oh. the wire so this isn't on our list <laughs> and i know you can't go into details but this is a good one how far in the future do you have a publishing schedule and do you pretty much feel what you know you're going to do in 2016 uh, i do not i got this is going to be one of those things where while I have certain things I will be doing, I mentioned one. There's certain other things I can't talk about at all that I will be doing. There, you know, other smaller small projects or or projects that I have slated that I want to do. Um, well, I mean, look, quick one. I announced uh, an expansion for Space Cadets Away missions that I want to do. I haven't we haven't announced title or timing or anything, but those are two like absolute definite things we're going to do. Um, what happens is, and this is another thing with Essen, is that while I'm there in Essen. I, <laughs> you're going to cry when you hear this. I take literally a meeting every half hour on the hour on the half hour the entire time I'm there in my booth. It is grueling, but out of those meetings comes many great games. I bring them all back in several suitcases, and then for the next couple of months, we make sure we get through them all, and we select our printing schedule essentially for the next year. 
because and, and if you think about it, you know, this is a cult of the new kind of industry. You got to stay you got to stay quick. I can't like have something that oh, I'm going to be doing this in 2018. Well, the industry might have moved on between now and then. A lot, some companies do that, and they're successful at doing that. I know b- some bigger companies have these huge, long schedules, and they know what they're doing 16 and 17 and maybe even in 18. Fantasy Flight just announced some stuff they're doing in, in, in 2017. I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm hoping I don't get hit by a bus between now and then. So, I mean, I can't, I can't plan that far in advance, especially I don't, and I don't have you know the staff to do such a thing. So, for me, I'm going to be there at Essen. I'm going to be bringing those games, bringing them back. We vet them. We determine what we're going to print in, 20, in 2016. So am I confusing you with someone else in in real life that's a project manager? No, that's kind of what I do in real life. That's my real life job, which sort of takes backseat to this job quite a bit. But uh, no, that is that is I'm an IT infrastructure project manager. So so you can't get a project timeline. I'm just picking with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. oh, I can give you a project timeline on anything I'm working on right now. Absolutely. <laughs> I can tell you where where the um, the games are in the production schedule, when they're going to be finished at LudoFact in most cases, or cheering over in China, when uh, when we believe they'll be on the boat once they're on the boat, when I believe they'll be here, when, then once they're going to street date. I can give you that whole timeline. You know, there's variability there, but I can't tell you what I'm going to be doing, like, you know, for Essen 2016. No, sir, I'm sorry. Because you know what? I'm going to find those games at Essen 2015. Steven, thank you so much for coming on. It has been so great hearing about all these games. Thank you for taking time to answer these questions that our listeners sent in to us. And guys, in case you haven't picked up on this, if you want some of these games, the really popular games, you better go pre-order them. Stronghold Games is one of those few, and like around, I can't even think of anybody else, that offers this pre-order program of giving you 30% off on the title of MSRP, and it ships to you First, you can't beat that, guys. I know there's a lot of online stores that offer pre-orders, but you're going to get that before they even get theirs. So if you're interested in any of these titles, any of these titles coming out in the future, make sure to keep an eye out on Stronghold Games' website because every so often, uh, Stephen will like flip a switch and it's like, ooh, this game is now available for pre-order, so keep your eyes out on it. And you probably have, do you have like some sort of a mailing list that somebody can get on? Yeah, I appreciate it. Great segue. Thank you. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to tell everyone to please sign up uh, for our newsletter at the Stronghold Games website. It's on the right-hand side, halfway down. Sign up for the newsletter. We send out no more than like one newsletter a month, a little bit more at this time of year, like, you know, you know one and a half uh, to two a month now because there's so much going on. But over the course of the year, you're not going to get more than about one a month, and you'll be the first to learn about any any new news at the company when we, we when we announce a new game that we're going to be doing in 2016 you'll be finding out first when we open up pre-orders you'll be finding out first all of those things follow us on twitter at stronghold games like us on facebook slash stronghold games and i really thank you guys so much for having me on i it is a pleasure spending the time with you talking about the games and i can't wait to see you guys at bggcon where we will we will have to uh, have another a grudge match of diamonds with the lovely ladies that uh, I believe um, they might have beaten you last year. Oh, I, I, I ain't doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait for your next card game. I ain't going through that diamonds <laughs> embarrassment again. There's going to be another diamonds tournament, a, a official diamonds uh, tournament at uh, BGGCon with even more players in it, and Mike Fitzgerald will be there again. And so, uh, so if people want to get into that and uh, they win a lot of free stuff at that at that tournament, we'll be doing that again. It should be a lot of fun. Yes, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. And once again, 
I'm Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Great seeing you, Marty, and uh, 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 the other guy. <laughs> Yeah, it's really great seeing you, Tony. Uh, take care, man. Tony, have you seen where Portal has released all the rules for their Essen game releases? Well, no, Marty, I hadn't until I got home because my freaking work blocks it, and so I'm way behind on reading all those rules. I cannot believe that they released all that good stuff, and I didn't have something to read today. Oh, well, let me tell you. Uh, first thing, one straight one I went to is Stronghold, which we'll be talking about with Steven later on because it's being published here. Uh, the rules on that look really good. It looks great. I tell you, you and I, I can see it right now, Nurashima Convoy is going to be a lunch game for us. Oh, easily. I'm I'm really curious about Legacy. I can't wait to play that. And that's the expansion. So he's got the rules for that. And of course, he's adding to the armies. He's bringing the Steel Police up to the 3-0 air. Uh, I know. We can't wait. So much goodness coming out at Essen. Uh, also, the stuff that he had at Gen Con, like Imperial Settlers, the Atlanteans expansion, plus Rattle Battle, Grab the Loot. You want to check out all those games? You now have the ro- rules that you can go read and see which ones you'd be interested in. Another awesome guest who has a lot of energy, passionate about the hobby, Great time talking to Steven. I know. I, I appreciate him coming on. I appreciate all the information he gave. I hope that helped you guys decide if you want to go out and pre-order it. It'll be interesting to see how 504 really does pan out and what the feedback we're going to get from Essen. It is. He's got just so many different styles of games. He's got more of the heavy Euros, the lighter Euros. Uh, again, there's a couple that I'm very interested in. You don't hear a lot about like Porta Nigra, but I'm very interested in that game. Yeah, I think that's definitely one I will add to my collection because the, the whole mechanic of just playing the cards and picking the actions, it takes and me rondelle. to... And Rondell. Yeah, you like the Rondell. And I, all that's just, that just really, that interests me a lot. And, and Stronghold and uh, oh, yeah, so, so much good stuff. Well, I better start saving my money now or make my Christmas list so Vanessa can start getting me stuff for Christmas. I think that would be a good sign of that. So anyway, next episode, we got two huge, huge guests (laughs) coming on this show. I'm already getting goosebumps from it. And uh, you guys know me. I love Pandemic. I, I play it every month. And so with Legacy coming out, I can now put the old game aside and actually have a purpose of playing Pandemic. Oh, uh, spoiler alert much. I don't care. Come back for Matt and Rob. They're coming on the show. And if they don't, then we're sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to be able to contain yourself for the next two weeks. No, I'm not. It's going to be awful. We can't wait. Fantastic show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure to go check out our guild. Uh, We're going to also have, we're always going to post, when we have guests on, we're going to ask for some questions. You guys give fantastic questions. A lot better than you and I could come up with, Tony. Always. Like I said, we need to work smarter, not harder on this. And but why, why, why try to do that when, when people do, they really do. And then keep in mind that we'll be announcing the winner of our contest via... Sorry, guys, for that abrupt break there, but I screwed up and Marty had to cut a whole lot of stuff out. So <laughs> that's my job. It's what I do. Uh, and, uh, and you do an incredible job, sir. But anyway, keep rolling dice and taking names. Thanks for listening to RDTN. 
Follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. Visit our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roll Dice Take Names. Visit our BGG Guild. Like us on Facebook. Too bad it wasn't the Godfather. Vanessa! He found the horse head. Hey, Tony, if people did miss the pre-order option from Stronghold Games, they can still jump over to Fun Again Games and pre-order the game there before the release date. And if their membership level is high enough, they can get 40% off the MSRP. So you're telling me that's beating the 30% offered by Stronghold? That's pretty solid. Don't tell anybody. And if it's over $80, it gets free shipping. And that game's pretty expensive, so just add a little bit on there and you got free shipping. That's right. With all pre-orders from Fun Again Games, if you got your membership level, you could you could come in there and get up to 40% off on pre-orders. So check them out at funagaingames.com. Thank you for checking out a United Geeks Network family member. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant, head over to unitedgeeksnetwork.com where you will find Geek Girl Weekly. Have you ever wondered what goes through the mind of a gamer girl? Hear for yourself as Jill gives you a look into her geeky world. The United Geeks Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com.